Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In today's episode, we welcome former Division I football player and future law enforcement officer, Caleb Bright. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State Street, where we give voice to the everyday person. Hey guys, this is the co-host of Voice, Nick Kleitch, and with me as always, my good buds, Cole and Jeremy. Gents, how are we? Nick, we're doing good. I gotta compliment you. That was extremely smooth and, you know, kind of just, I loved it. And, you know, I, I, we have an interview coming up with Caleb that was just, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything because it was, I, I think it's, it was a great interview and there's a lot to learn from this interview that I don't, I like, I even came away with, with some stuff that I can, I can do better. And this, this young man, I, I shouldn't even say young, he's our age. He, he implements some stuff young, early on in his life that I just like, I don't see many people doing it as 20 something year, uh, 20 somethings. And I think like, there's a lot to take away from this interview. And, and I mean, you just, you have to, this is a half, a must listen. Caleb is huge about tunnel vision being super determined. That's why I wanted to get him on this podcast. Uh, also the fact that he's a very, very good friend of mine, uh, dear friend, old friend. He's so determined. He's one of the most determined people I know. He's so laser focused. He has great tunnel vision. Uh, and he, he is all about what, what, is, what his, uh, his role model and, and a friend of the show, I guess if we want to call him that, David Goggins said, just get hard, man. Callous the brain. You'll hear Caleb and, and us say that a lot. Uh, I love that, though. I love that idea. You know, Some people like that, that route of like the hardcore. Some people don't. And to each their own, really. But um, I'm so glad like Caleb Cabin talked on it because he is the right person to do it. I have so much admiration for him. Uh, for everything he's been through, he's battled. He's a grinder, man. Uh, and he he likes getting down and dirty, and that's awesome. There has to be people in the world like that. And so I'm super appreciative uh, that Caleb was able to come on, and uh, I am stoked to get into this interview, Nick. Yeah, there's certain people in life that whether you're completely like them or not that you have to admire. Uh, and to me, Caleb is one of those people for a magnitude of reasons. Uh, the first to me, and this is just what I gathered from him, he's just wired differently. When he describes his story, what he went through, uh, obviously he's human, had some some highs and some lows, but just the wiring of his desire to succeed, uh, as Jeremy alluded to, was just at a very young age compared to a lot of folks. So that's one thing. The second is, oh man, taking souls. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that terminology before, but uh, Caleb lives it, and I I, I try to do that as best as I can in my life, but sometimes I fail. Um, and lastly, just someone that even though he's completed so much in his life, he is really just getting started in terms of his professional career and his future journey. Um, and and uh, it was such a pleasure to meet him. So for all the State Street residents, please do me a favor and uh, go ahead and tune in and let's get after it, guys. We are absolutely stoked this evening on State Street to present another fantastic guest, a very good friend of mine, a very old friend of mine, a very dear friend of mine, a very big friend of mine. Mr. Caleb Bright joins our podcast this evening. Caleb, how are you, man? I cannot complain. I'm thankful to be here on State Street, baby. 
We are so stoked to have you. We're so thankful to have you. Uh, I'll say it right off the bat, just because I, I like to say it for everybody. You're always doing you're doing us a favor. Any guest that comes on is doing us a favor. Uh, you're a busy guy, especially right now. And the reason behind that is we will get into that a little mm-hmm. later in this episode. Uh, but you are a very busy man at this current moment. So we're so stoked that, that you were able to come on with us. Uh, and you were like, sto- you were like, at like the second I texted you, you're like, absolutely, let's do this. Let's do it, baby. Anything to help out <laughs> you guys, man. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, we uh, we we obviously do the the introductions, formal introductions off air. Um, but Nick and Jeremy are my co-hosts on here, guys. Please uh, please welcome Caleb uh, in the manner in which you would like. I'll start with you, Nick. Caleb, dude, what an honor. Uh, Cole gave me one hell of a rundown, and uh, as much as I want to introduce myself, I think your story and what we're going to cover today is definitely something that the listeners will be gifted. I appreciate that, Nick. Yeah, Jeremy. I, I mean, it's 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 always cool to you know have someone that we bring on from our past, and we get to kind of learn more about each other, too, so... Like you said, Cole is Cole's your friend from before we even knew Cole. So maybe we'll get to learn some things about Cole too. I'm I'm really excited for this interview. That's awesome. Um, yeah, you guys will definitely get to learn learn a little bit more about me and and hear a little bit more about my background and Caleb and I's wild and and stupid times. But uh, Caleb, why don't we do this, man? Just to to get the ball rolling, we'll have you introduce yourself. Um, tell people who you are. Tell them, tell them your story, man. Tell them a little bit about how, how you and I got to know each other and, and we should be off and rolling. Awesome. Um, just want to thank Cole, Jeremy, and Nick, man. Three awesome dudes. Um, they're out there hustling. You know, a lot of podcasts out there, but you don't see many like these three guys that are committed to this day in, day out. Um, first, so I went to Des Moines Christian, which is a small, small school in Urbandale, Iowa. And then my freshman year, I transferred to Urbandale solely because I thought, not that I was better than Des Moines Christian, but I wanted to play football in college. Uh, fast forward, started as a sophomore and met Cole and played with him for two years. And we went on trips together. We went on spring break together. So we have a long history do- doing some st- stupid stuff, but um, <laughs> it was all worth it. Um, I played with his brother my senior year. So three years of the Szynski Cis- boys is is enough for me. but. <laughs> Uh, so after my junior year of playing at Urbandale, this was Cole's year. I received eight or nine scholarships to play Division One college football, and I chose Bowling Green in Ohio. Uh, I loved the coaches there, loved everything about it. So I committed there. Uh, long story short, four years flew by. Had a lot of ups and more downs than you would think by being. A division one football player you think it's all glamorous and all this but it's really not and going through depression anxiety you know suicidal thoughts like deep stuff like that and you really find yourself and you know just makes you to who you are supposed to be and thankful for all that and now two weeks today i start the academy in orlando florida it's uh, it's an exciting time for you, man. Um, yeah, you're starting the academy. Kyle, you, you're a D1 college football player. There's a lot to unpack here with you, Caleb. Um, you're also, I, I said this off air, but but you're also one of the most determined people I know. You you like to have fun. You like to goof around, but you also have this incredibly determined side to you that uh, it switches on at 6 a.m. in the morning when you're lifting a ton of weight. 
and I'm sure it'll switch on, you know, as you're, as you're becoming, uh, into your career and becoming a professional and, and working in law enforcement. Um, uh, to that point though, I mean, you're, 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 you're sort of familiar. You've grown up, your dad's been in law enforcement. Talk about that a little bit. Talk about that, how that influenced you in your upbringing. Well, I mean, mm -hmm. did you live in a strict household? I know your dad. I love your dad. I see him at the gym all the time growing up. Uh, but, but talk a little bit about that upbringing and, and what that was like for you. Mm -hmm. Growing up in my household, I mean, two wonderful parents. Um, but my dad, he just retired from the Iowa State Patrol 31 years. It was crazy. Yesterday was his final day. So he retired yesterday. And yesterday was when I got my official final offer with Orange County. So it's kind of crazy how he was like passing the torch to me. Uh, growing up, though, and I wouldn't say it was a strict household, but it wasn't a normal household. Sure. Uh, you, I mean, there's expectations that my parents had. And I, I'm, I've always been like, I never want to disappoint my, like my family because they mean so much to me. And if I did that, then that kind of ties into to my determination. I didn't want my parents helping me with college. Uh, I didn't want them. I try. I want to help them. I don't need them to help me. That's kind of the mentality I have. And growing up in that household is just, it was more of a blessing than people think because you think, oh, your dad's a cop. Oh, you're so strict. Can you even go out and see friends? Can you go downtown? Can you do all? Yes, I could do all that. I just chose not to because I have bigger goals in life than a Friday night beer. Well, that's one. That's one thing that that I think we should unpack early on, man. As far as it is, as far as it pertains to your determination, the motivation behind the determination, um, you know, and you and you mentioned it early. You you transferred from Des Moines Christian to Urbandale. Um, not because you thought you were better or you were above being there or other people there. It was it was more so that you wanted to play football at a big school because you wanted to play with high level teammates. You wanted to play against high level competition, um, and that's the situation that that Urbandale High School presented you, which is super admirable, man. I I think that you have to it, you know there's there's something to be said for being in the right place at the right time, but there's also something to be said for making making your own luck and mm -hmm. and applying yourself and putting yourself in that right situation. And I think that's exactly what you did. So let's talk on that just briefly. Um, and, and we'll kind of move along in this timeline, but what for you, when you get to Urbandale, what were the motivating factors? Was it strictly football? Because you, you showed up and it's like every, every teenager or like like 18, 17 year old kid, they have an awkward body and man, you transformed like amazing. So what, I mean, was it just like, I know I want to play college football or was there other, other underlying things that really motivated you right off the bat? Yeah. College football was always uh, in the front line of my mind, but I just, I looked at everybody and I didn't want to be like them. So a lot of people don't know this, but like I grew my hair out just cause how many dudes have long hair? How many dudes that are huge have long hair? How many guys put in the work that I put in? And I'm not trying to be cocky or arrogant, but it's like, it's just different mindset. And then throughout high school, you know, I never, I don't even think I touched alcohol in high school. And like, I would never go out. I would never do anything. You know, we had those guys that had parties and all that invited to, but it just wasn't my scene because I always have those goals. And I always think about those goals all the time. I write them down and I'm a firm believer. If you write something down and just look at it every day, that that's never leaving your mind. And it's mm -hmm. kind of like the law of attraction. Some of you probably know what it is, but if you speak it into existence, 
nothing's going to stop you. It's all about manifesting, man. So writing that stuff down, was that something that your parents told you or gave you as a tool? Was that something you heard about, you read about, maybe a friend told you about? Like, where did that start? Because it sounds like that started early on, started very early on for you. I just, I'd say my freshman year, my freshman year. So my first one, when I was at Des Moines Christian and I knew I was going to Urbandale, my first one I failed at actually was to start at Urbandale as a freshman on varsity. Mm -hmm. But that didn't happen because it's, it was, it was just a hard, like incredibly difficult. And it's, it's, but like, if you set your goal like that and then, then who knows what the following year may bring. So that's how I started as a sophomore. So you saw my freshman year, I was a bum. I was a fat kid that, I mean, just ate Snickers, just ate anything and everything. And then freshman to sophomore, I would, Cole would see me, we'd work out at 6 a.m. And then the afternoon, I would go work out again, stretch, do everything I could just to get that starting spot. And then fast forward a little bit, started my sophomore year, started my junior year. And then after my sophomore year, I wanted some college scholarships, but that wasn't going to happen because I was 6'4", 240. And I actually had a coach. I won't mention his name, but Cole knows him. He was our strength coach for a little bit. Uh, we, we butted heads every day. We did not like each other because I, would, I wouldn't work out only with the team. I would go off on my own and do more, and he didn't like that, whatever. Um, but that's when I put on my weight, and I was drinking chocolate milk, pasta, all this sort of stuff that I knew that wasn't available at 7 a.m. in the morning right after a workout. I mean, we had school lunches that had two pancakes. Like, <laughs> that's not going to work. So I kind of went out on my own and I worked out with my dad actually from my sophomore to my senior year. And that, that was awesome. We would, we'd still wake up early. I think we'd wake up four forty-five, five, and still be grinding, still be doing all that. It's just from a different perspective and the facility I was able to use was much better than what Urbandale had at the time. Urbandale have one of the best weight rooms down the country, of course, now that Cole and I aren't there, but um yeah that's i've always been i just i don't want to be like everybody because it's easy to do that right so fast forward then to to your junior year your senior year you're seeing a lot of success you're the 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 results are speaking for themselves and you start getting these offers you have all these schools telling you how much they like you how much how much great film you're putting out they want you to come to their school. You know, you're you're taking pictures in different uniforms, going to see different campuses, getting to meet a lot of really cool people, which is what comes with the territory. For you, though, how were you able to keep on the path? Or were you able, I guess, were you able to keep on the mindset of, hey, I can't let myself slip into cocky, arrogant. Were you able to keep on the path of, okay, this is my focus. I have to stay diligent and I have to stay hardworking. Um, or, I mean, did you tend to slip back and forth? Where did you fall on that? And how did you get back on the right track? Because mm -hmm. I know, I mean, I know for a fact after being your friend and following along, like you, the right track is where you ended. You are now on the right track, mm -hmm. but kind of take us that as you're having all kinds of success and everybody's telling you how great you are, did you slip into that cocky headed nature or how did you stay away from that? And what, 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 mm -hmm. what deterred that? So my junior year, so junior year, I got the offers 
and then actually committed right before the senior season. But I didn't really have a lot of close friends, or matter of fact, a lot of many any friends in my grade. They're all in Cole's grade, and Cole, Dylan, James, Grant McDougal, all those boys. And once they left, I'm kind of like, man, I don't like anybody in my class. All they like to do is drink, do all this stupid stuff, and that's not that's not for me. And you know, people talk, whatever, it doesn't really affect me. Just, but I always had that narrow mind, and the the end sight is always better than all these girls, these this booze, whatever. And going my redshirt year, I kind of slipped up, not gonna lie, because red what a redshirt is is you don't play, you're still on scholarship, everything, but it's kind of a year for you to get even bigger, uh, more more strength added to you, more weight, just to get that high school body away and get that division one body. And so that was a kind of a period where I'm like, man, I've never really had parties to go to, none of this stuff. But now I just was thrown into the fire at a division one school knowing I'm going to redshirt. So it's the redshirt year is really hard in that sense. But after that was over, I was like, all right, it's grind time again. Like there's no more giving up. There's no more doing this crazy stuff that I don't need to be doing. And but I've always been, you know, very narrow minded. And we'll talk about once my junior year comes at Bowling Green, but that's that's going to be a long time. Yeah. So. Nick, uh, it looks like you got something for him, so I'll, I'll let you go. Uh, but uh, but I, I do have one other thing for Caleb, so go ahead, man. One small tidbit that I think is important for the listeners to comprehend, think about, meditate on. When you didn't achieve your original goal, sometimes that can deter people. Sometimes that can unmotivate them. But when you set the goal large enough, sometimes you're almost anticipating failure in some sense. I mean, as a freshman in high school, you may or may not have been in control of your destiny there. However, what I do love is that very quickly your next year, you were the starter. So just talk a little bit on like how not hitting that goal didn't deter you and you still kept with the dream, even though you didn't hit it in the short term. Yeah. So, I mean, I was devastated. I was put on the freshman team. Yeah, I started on the freshman team, but to me, that wasn't good enough. And realizing that I wasn't able to achieve that, obviously it hurts, but you just have to keep going. I mean, a lot of people will quit once they hit the smallest road bump, but why? Like, there's no point to quit if you've already gotten that far. If I already transferred, if I already, I wanted this, why am I going to stop because I didn't make my first goal? There's a whole list of goals I have to hit, so let's go hit those. And actually, when I was receiving all my scholarships and everything, Cole asked something about, like, with all the success, I was getting all this. How did I stay stay on my stay with like a straight mind? It's because I I received MAC offers. I received received all these, but I was aiming for the Alabama. I was aiming for the Ohio State. I was aiming for you know these national champions, not these good teams, because I know my capability and I always shoot for the stars. And and sometimes it's not going to work, and sometimes that's when people quit, and that's when. You know, the go-getters are are in a separate category compared to the, a lot of people. Yeah, well, let me uh, let me add to this real quick, Jeremy, and then I'll turn it over to you, and then we'll make sure we get her back to Cole. Um, I think there is some sanity in 
setting such a large goal? Because even though you set this large goal, if you get 90% of the goal, you've come so much farther and then you get to that spot, you reassess and then you set an even higher goal. So even your mind was like, okay, we got to get to these levels and you set that standard and like, maybe you didn't quite get there, but from the outside looking in, how satisfying, you know, it was to be able to start at a a really good division one school for four years. And, you know, so go for those big goals, even if you come up a bit short, because there's so much in the midst of all that success wise, uh, Jeremy, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you now. So you can ask your question. No, it's, it's, it's something real quick. And I was actually going to wait till later, but since we're on the, the goals right now, um, I wanted to ask, like, when did you start writing your goals down? Because that's a that's a very mature thing for for like a high school kid to do. Like, mm-hmm. I just started doing it. I have my goals on my phone for for some of the like the weight room stuff I want to hit, and I look at it every time I go into the weight room. So, when did you kind of like get introduced to this? Because like, I mean, I didn't get introduced to it till mm-hmm. actually I, like literally got out into the workforce. When I actually started writing them down uh, was my freshman year of high school, but even before that, in seventh and eighth grade at Des Moines Christian. I would envision my goals. So, I mean, like Cole, Cole knew me when I was a big freshman and I was at a Des Moines Christian, which was a, uh, was it 1A school? And I would just, I would be conquering kids. And like one, I remember one time I was like, I want to, I want to block a punt and return it for a touchdown. And the game, not the game I envisioned it, but the game after I did it. And just like ever since then, I'm like, there's something to say about the law. I didn't know what the law of attraction was then, but I knew of it. I didn't know what it was called, but I knew, all right, I just said that and I just did that. And that's, so I'm a big believer in writing down stuff and envisioning it and just going for it because, I mean, what's going to stop you? We all have an end to this earth, so you never know when it is. So keep going, baby. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's great. And, I wish I would have, you know, started writing my goals down earlier because I, 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 I agree. Like I had no idea what the law of attraction was when I was when I was younger. But there were times where I'd like, I really want this, and then I would work towards it. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, if I would have had access to the stuff I do now, I think it would have been different. But it's it's good that it, not only good, it's it's very just mind blowing that you were able to put stuff together that not like many like 20 something year olds haven't even like figured out yet Mm -hmm. and i'd say to you is like you know that now so i mean you're creating generations of little jeremy's running around you're like hey we're we're goal oriented man like we don't do the the other stuff we're goal oriented write that down and let's get after it absolutely cole why don't you uh keep us rolling well caleb i there's i got two things so uh, the first one being, I love that you, you know, you say you shoot for the stars, especially, you know, in your case of like, you're writing down goals. Okay. You miss the first one, but, and it go, it's, it's kind of the old saying, it's like, you miss, you shoot for the stars, you miss, you hit the moon, right? Mm-hmm. There are still people that, and, and I, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound bad, but it, I mean it in a, in a genuine way, or just from a, a standpoint of, of talking from the saying, but you're still looking down on other people, right? There are other people that even miss that mark. So you're already setting yourself up for success by making that lofty, lofty goal. Even no matter how ridiculous or unrealistic or crazy it may seem to some, to maybe even you when you write it down, being, you know, being the person setting the goals, like it, you're still setting yourself up for something great or something amazing. Um, second, the second point, though, that 
I, you talk about being like narrow minded and obviously determination is, is who you are. That's a great strength of yours. But I mean, is it tunnel vision? Like, do you get into a, into a tunnel? Do you have tunnel vision? Would you call it like a flow state that you get into? Like when you, you know, we talk about you're, you're at this period of having all of your success and you have everybody telling you're great, even in your red shirt year of college, like your first year being on campus. Is there a sense of tunnel vision? Do you get into a flow state that you like, it's just like, okay, like I am so solely focused on good grades, good weights, great practices, you know, even mm-hmm. meeting, meeting good friends, surrounding yourself with the right people. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a little bit of that, but it's really there. Somebody, I remember, I think it was CT Fletcher. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but his yeah. mom told him was like, well, somebody's always going to be stronger. Somebody's always going to be better than you. And he goes, mama, somebody's got to be the baddest. And I mean, it's just so true. Like I, I wasn't the best offensive lineman in division one history. I wasn't the best offensive lineman in the Mac, but shooting for those goals is just something that creates that tunnel vision where that's all you want. That's all you focus on. Yeah. You can have a good time as long as it doesn't interact with that tunnel vision, then I mean, what's stopping you? Right. So Caleb, let's fast forward then. Let's kind of bring it, bring it up to speed to, to, getting to Bowling Green because this is like where where you're in school you know you're not at Urbandale High School and I'm off doing my thing you're doing you're starting to do your thing man so mm-hmm. let's um what were your expectations like go like moving away from home moving to a, a place you've never been before going into a division one football program um all of these things that are super exciting and like you said at the top super glamorous um but they do include some lows with the highs uh, so what was your expectations going into it? And then kind of take us into your eyes. Let's uh, give us a view of what those first few years were like for, for Caleb Bright. Mm-hmm. So the first few years were, um, I'll take you through a daily schedule. So like my red shirt year, we would have weights at four in the morning. And that's not even the craziest part. For, so, and then we would have, we'd have to eat. Another hour, we would have class from like nine. 2.30, we'd have practice at 3.30 to 6.30. We did, we'd have to eat between 6.30 and 7. And we'd have study table from 7.30 to 9.30. And if you divide that up, there's no time for anything. And people are like, well, you're getting your college paid for. Yeah, you're right. But I guarantee you, nobody, no normal student could go through what a Division One person goes through. And not even Division One, any division. It doesn't have to be the highest of the highs. It can be any division. They don't understand the commitment that it takes for sports in college. And that's a big thing that all these fraternities and sororities, like, they don't understand. They pay for their friends. Like, we work for our friends. Like, and the, the expectation was win some MAC championships because we just got off a win oh, in 2015. But that didn't happen. And I had four goals. One was to graduate. One was to beat Toledo. The other one, win a bowl game and win the MAC. And I got two of the four. Well, I guess I graduated twice. I got my master's too, but let's not count that. So I conquered two of the four, and that's in my 50%. That's not good. But in my eyes, we didn't beat Toledo for 10 years. I was the first one to hold the trophy in 10 years. Like that moment was outstanding. And they're our biggest rivalry, so we're always getting shit for saying, oh, Toledo, you're just like Toledo's little brother or whatever. But we actually went through a coaching change my 
sophomore two coaching changes. We had Mike James. I'll get into that a little bit. 2018, it was my red shirt, red shirt freshman year. And I was starting. My first start was Michigan State. Fast forward, we were playing at Georgia Tech. I don't want to take up so much time, but we're playing at Georgia Tech. It was 95 degrees. We're wearing our brown uniforms, and it was a noon kickoff. And after played the whole game, I briefly remember running. We had a screen, and I was playing center at the time, and I was released to help block for the running back. And my my legs, like they felt heavier than most I've ever squatted, most I've ever deadlifted, all combined. I was like, man, what is going on? And so I was suffering from a heat stroke. So that that took a big toll on me mentally, just knowing damn, I could die doing this. Like, I was 0.3 away from death, and I was like, damn, like, <laughs> like you, can, you can hustle and do all this, but, like, death is pretty serious, man. When you're facing it face-to-face, it's, it's a scary experience, but I bounced back from that. Two weeks later, I was back out on the field, and then Mike James got fired for, for having a losing record, but I'm not going to go into that. And then Carl Pelini took over. Bo Pelini's little brother, or older brother, and we loved him. He was a great dude. He got into some trouble down at uh, Florida Atlantic, and so he got fired from that job. But he was our defensive coordinator, and he took over our interim head coaching. And going in, he got fired after the season, cleaned the house. So we didn't have any coaches left. My red shirt junior season, Scott Leffler comes in. He came in from it was Boston College's offensive coordinator, and so I'm still suffering from like the heat stroke, like my brain. It's considered like a traumatic brain injury, so I'm still pushing through it. I got prescribed Adderall, which not not good. Um, I'll get into that a little more, but after that first season with Leffler, we're playing October 26th at Western Michigan, and another screen, of course. I go out and I block the safety and one of my teammates hits me right in the head and I have no recollection of playing um, two minutes left in the game. I asked my coach, I was like, is it halftime yet? And like, I was, I was dumber than a box of rocks. And so I was playing left tackle last year and I was asking my left guard every single play. I was like, is it a run or a pass? And that's what I would do. And it's like, what my body was trained even I wasn't mentally there, I was still able to fulfill that job. And that's just the craziest thing to me. That's when it really clicked for me. Like, like your brain, like David Goggins says, your brain is the most powerful weapon in the world. And you can, let it you can let it control you or you can control it. And if you choose to control it, like your life will be so much better. You won't go through all the things I went through when I was after that concussion, like spiraled deep got addicted to Adderall. Um, I was I had shoulder surgery after that season, got on the perkies, um, depressed, going through a bad relationship, anxiety. And that's when I really found David Goggins and how like, like you have to stay hard. Like your mind is going to try to control you. And if you let it do that, you'll be exactly how I was. And you'll look fine from the outside, but you'll really be hurting deep on the inside 
and people think, oh, Division One football, all this, all that. It was fun, don't get me wrong, but I'm so much happier without it because they don't realize all the, the toradol shots where you don't feel anything. They don't understand 5 a.m. practices, 7 p.m. study tables, trying to eat, trying to maintain weight, eating so much that you throw it back up, the indigestion you get when you're an offensive lineman, man. Not fun, but it was it was a fun experience and definitely what I expected. Um, got two of the four goals, and that's a, that's a mini version. Hey, State Street gang, we're going to steal you away real quick. Uh, Cole, I actually have a couple of promos to run by you. What do you got, Nick? I'm excited to hear. So the first one is our partners over at Driftless Quality Wear actually have a new website coming out, and you can find them at driftlessqualitywear.com. No way. Dude, that's awesome. So how does State Street factor into that? Yeah, great question. So for all the folks that haven't purchased anything on their website, go ahead and prior to checking out, if you enter State Street, uh, you'll actually get a 10% discount off the entire cart. Okay. What kind of things do they have? Do they have like outdoor wear since it's getting cold here? Yeah, great question. And it really is getting cold. So they have crewnecks, long sleeves. I actually got a long sleeve myself, beanies. Uh, They even go as far as camping mugs, which I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So tell me again how I get this and where I need to go. Yeah, so go ahead and type in State Street at checkout and receive 10% off your entire cart purchase. Cool, man. I can't wait. Let's get back to the show. Thanks, guys. So, you know, every, everything I just heard you say there, Caleb, um, obviously, you know, it was some, it was, it was a life goal of yours Mm -hmm. and it was an experience that I don't, I think you would agree that, that you would never take back. Like you would never Mm -hmm. give that away for anything. Um, but I think there is something to be said for like, you know, when there is a lot of negativity surrounding you and there's a lot of, of, even if it's just, even if it is bad luck or just a bad break or you you turn the wrong way or you get hit in the wrong spot. Um, being an athlete, no matter what, and, and, you know, anything, if you're a part of anything, like it can, if you let it, it can be a breeding ground for negativity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm so great. I'm so grateful to hear. And I'm so, so proud of you to hear that, you know, there, there was a, a, a sense of awakening. And so really quick, let's talk like what, what was that that awakening that you had? Like, what got you back on the on the path from mm-hmm. from all this kind of stuff? I mean, was there was it somebody something that that somebody said to you, like a, a parent, a friend, um, somebody that you completely didn't expect? Like, when did you kind of have like your oh shit moment of mm-hmm. getting everything right? Whether it was maybe it was two days ago, or maybe mm-hmm. it was during that time period. Like, when was it, and what prompted that? So a lot of people think 2020 was like the shittiest year ever, but honestly, it was the best year ever for me. I, I mean, I graduated twice um, with a bachelor and a master's. I got to move home. People say, oh, you're living in your parents' basement. You know what? You can, you can shove it where the sun don't shine because I don't really care what you think. And the really the oh shit moment was about a week after that Western Michigan concussion. like. I still wasn't the same. And so I was getting prescribed all these medicines and all this just to keep me back on the field. And so what I did was 
I wasn't doctor advised, whatever. I went to the doctor and my trainer. I'm like, I need to get off this Adderall. This is like, I can tell, like, I have a very addictive personality. I'm all in or all out, which can be good or bad. But I was all in on this Adderall. And it really just ruined about five, six months because I cut cold turkey. So I was taking 110, 130 milligrams every day just to make it through a practice. And I was prescribed. 60 milligrams so i'd be taking what double that every single day and the really the oh shit moment was i medically retired i'm like all right like you can't be down forever like you don't a lot of people identify as football players when they're playing and they can't do that because you're you're a human being you're a real person you can't identify as a football player forever the the game all you can be Tom Brady it's still gonna end for him one day and he was a football player at that point and a lot of people don't realize that there's life after football and some might be tomorrow some might be yesterday some might be in 10 years but there is an end and moving back home really helped me my mental state um, I'm not on any anxiety depress or any anxiety or depression medication anymore um, my mind is the strongest it's ever been. I can give some credit to David Doggins because he really whooped my ass a little bit there. Like he, he was a fat Navy SEAL and I was a fat football player. So I kind of put myself in him his shoes and nobody's gonna come take care of you. Like you have to go do it yourself. And people can help you, you can do that, but at the end of the day when you're in bed, it's you alone with your thoughts. And that's how it will always be. Mm-hmm. You, you've mentioned Goggins a lot. So I, I want to bring this up and I want to bring Nick in on this conversation because he's a huge Goggins guy. And, and Nick is actually the one that introduced me to, to David Goggins. Um, and he's, you know, Nick and I've talked about him a lot. Jeremy and I've talked about him a lot. Uh, collective. We've talked about him a lot and we've all listened to a lot of his podcasts and episodes and stuff. So what for you, I mean, go, go into depth. Like what for you about Goggins gets you jacked up? got you to a point where it's like, all right, like change is necessary. And I like, I got to stay hard with this. I mm-hmm. got to get my mind right. I got to get my body right. I mean, you can't be 300 plus pounds forever, right? You can't be that offensive lineman body type forever. It's just not sustainable. So what about Goggins? When, when, when were you introduced to him? When did you start to really take him serious and, and dive deep into his stuff? And uh, frankly, I would just, I would love for you and Nick to kind of compare notes on that. Yeah, I would. Uh... I was introduced to him actually my right before I was going through the depression and everything. I had a strength coach who showed me a video of Dawkins. It was like 30 minutes long. I was right after weights. I'm like, man, I'm not trying to hear this. Like, let me go eat and go home, take a quick nap, whatever. So I really didn't listen to it. But I was introduced then. And then when I moved home, I really got into him. That's when that thing, that thing came back in my brain. I'm like, what are you doing? You're being, you're a bum. Like, you're living in your parents' basement, man. You better man up. Nobody's going to come take care of you anymore. You're not playing college football anymore. You're not doing this. And he talks about callousing his mind. And that's what I've really tried to do where and you see calluses on your hand, whatever. But if you callous your mind, you can, you can do anything, anything you want. Uh, he, he broke, I think it was over, what, Nick, was it 4,000 pull-ups? Yeah, he broke the record for most pull-ups in a 24-hour time frame. With a, it was over 4,000, but yeah, just an astronomical number. 
and somebody was interviewing him, he goes, people hear, oh, what's the world record for pull-ups in 24 hours? And they're like, oh, it's 4,020. And most people are like, oh, shit, like, I can't do that. That's, that's one, 24 hours of working out and doing pull-ups. And two, I, I, got, I got no time for that. But what David did was he was like, in his mind, he said he was, all right, how many is that per minute? How many is that per second? How many is that per hour? He's like, that's what I'm going to do. And he just stuck to that. And, I mean, he's a huge inspiration to me. And, I mean, going from watching his mother get beat at a young age to, I mean, he watched some kid get his head ran over by a school bus. Like, he's seen some 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 dark stuff. And, and now look at him. And he's one of the, I would say he's the hardest man on the planet. Um, but, and I'm coming for a spot soon. Hey, State Street residents, this is Cole. We are so proud to continue our partnership with Chi-Town Blankets, a nonprofit based in Chicago, Illinois. This movement, started by our good friend Dom Hilsheim, has grown to over thousands of blankets being delivered to those in need. If you want to get involved, go to ChiTownBlankets.com or find them on social media to learn how to donate and get involved. That's C-H-I-T-O-W-N-B-L-A-N-K-E-T-S. You can also listen to episodes from Dom or one of his executive board members, Jack Thode, and learn more about how the movement got started and what it truly means to them. Everyone deserves to be warm. There's just a couple things I wanted to hammer on. So just to provide some context for those that don't know. So Goggins, David Goggins was a guy that uh, grew up in a predominantly white uh, area. He was very accustomed to racial uh, things and, and, and harm. Um, and he was very overweight as well, too. And then he saw a commercial about the Navy SEALs, got very interested. And uh, you guys are more than welcome to go look him up. But he has since become one of the baddest mans on the or toughest men on the planet because of his uh, ultra endurance attack and approach at life. And uh, highly, highly recommend. But no, I, I love that your mentality towards wanting to, to come at him. I'm sure he would appreciate it. And uh, I also wanted to touch on this a little bit, too. I think for athletes and and for those that dream and bleed sports, it's very hard to separate your identity at the time because that's the only thing you know. And I opened my mouth. No one saw this when you said 4 a.m. I mean, I thought we had a bad with practice at 5, but lifting at 4 a.m. or even 5 a.m., you know, people just see you on Saturdays and they think it's all glamorous, but they never see the amount of effort and time that's put in. And hell, I'm I'm not going to complain too much compared to that schedule. But I mean, at the Division Two level, it was still a pretty rigorous, you know, academic and physical schedule for us with weightlifting and practice and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's. Can you just address that one more time? I want to ask a couple questions on that. So, how did you become? yourself rather than identifying as a football player because I still think there are people that like reminisce and desire to be that even though they're years from either being a high school or college athlete yeah I was actually I was in the sauna not probably eight months ago and I heard this guy he was just reminiscing on his high school football days and I'm like I wanted I wanted to tell him like dude you really think I'd give one shit yeah you You really think I care what you did 40 years ago in high school, man, I don't care. Like move on, live in the present. Like, yeah, you you used to be a high school football player. Congratulations. 99% of people did, but it's just never been something where I dwell on the past because you have to move on at some points. And if you don't move on, that's when 
your mind will get the best of you. And it's like, man, like, like if I was in my position, like maybe if I didn't retire, like I could be going to the NFL, like, Oh, I could do be no, like that's not happening. Like live now. Like, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do tomorrow to callous your mind to become the best person you can be? I love that answer. Yeah. And I, I think too, don't we all wish we could go back now as older folks and play the game at a more advanced level? I mean, I, I think that's everyone's wish, but know that like there's different phases of your life and where you are now is exactly where you're supposed to be. But uh, on the David Goggins note, and then I'll turn it back to Cole, uh, to the callousing of the mind is essentially, and I love this about him too, that that no one is going to come help you out at the end of the day. You are the sole responsibility for where you're at in your life right now. And if it's the first time hearing that, then I know it's probably going to sound a little harsh. And David would say it much more harsh than me. Trust me, if you listen to any of his content, he, he comes at people really hard. But um, and, and the other thing with him, attacking your biggest fear. You know, he always was was overweight and afraid of swimming. And what did he do? He joined the Marines and he just got into being an ultra endurance athlete. I mean, the exact opposite end of the spectrum, but he's just totally hammering on running at his fears. And I love that as well, too. Um, but yeah, Cole, I can turn it over to you, man, and uh, keep this thing going. Jeremy, you, get, you go ahead with one your one thing before we get back to me. Yeah, this is just super quick. And this is just kind of like a comment about like, you know, people think college athletes kind of have it all. Um, as a college athlete, you're an athlete first. You're not a student first. They always say, oh, you're a student first. No, no, you're an athlete first. And you're expected to be a student first as well. So, I mean, no one ever realizes that. And you just really have to develop a, a, a killer-be-killed mindset. And you have to be the killer at that point where you have to get everything done just so you can be an athlete first before, you know, everything snowballs in, uh, in front of you. So, like, I don't know the best, I, the, the hardest, hardest thing ever is to tell someone that had never played college athletics, what college athletics is like, because mm -hmm. like 95% of the population is like, oh, you just go out every Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, and everyone loves you. Well, no, we, we sacrifice most of our lives just so we can be an athlete first on Saturdays. Yeah, you nailed that. Uh a lot like nobody knows what you actually do and that's why i think when a lot like when i found my identity in football i think that played a role into it because i'm like man nobody else is doing what i'm doing like this must be me this must be who i am like nobody else is doing it that's me and but that's not the case and i mean like i've never been a huge fan of fraternities sororities take it as you want but i don't really care if you pay for your friends and a lot of those people, when I heard them bitch and moan about, oh my gosh, I have a test tomorrow. Like, dude, I just had 13 hours towards the athletic side, and now I have to go home and study for the test, which I would never study because, I mean, I ain't got time to do that when I'm solely focused and identifying as a football player. And these, these random college kids think they have it so hard when they have, oh, they have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 to 9. Like, <laughs> It's just it's it's just bizarre to me, and people are just so soft anymore, and it's it's really frustrating. Caleb, so I I have two more things, and then we're gonna we're gonna quit looking in the past. We're gonna look towards the future and 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 talk about what your future has to hold. Uh, the first thing, though, like, and you guys are hitting it on the head, but really, what it, it, it comes down to, I mean, you know, you watch, you turn on 
the the TV on Saturdays afternoons and you see these shiny helmets that you guys wear, right? Or in the Max case, what is it? Tuesday nights. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. Yeah. Yeah, Maxion baby. Like you turn on yeah, you turn yeah. on the TV and and you see the shiny helmets and the shiny stuff they're wearing and uh to you probably though it doesn't look as shiny because there's a lot of blood sweat and tears and and digging and scratching that have gone into putting on that that uniform or someone who is in mock trial you know there's been a lot of hours with their nose in a book to wear that suit and and to go into that or or for the person that's in a, in a band you know there's we from the outside look and see a shiny instrument but they see something that they've had to lot put a lot of time a lot of energy probably miss out on a lot of fun memories to focus on and to do. And so it doesn't, it doesn't stretch just across athletics. It stretches across many things and anything that you want to be awesome at or Mm -hmm. set your mind and your goals towards, like Caleb said at the beginning, like that's what it really breaks down to. Um, So that's just that, that's kind of the first thing. So Caleb, the question that I want to pose with that, what's your, what's your best memory as it pertains to your four years uh, or your five years at, at Bowling Green and just as it pertains to getting after it, just like hardcore, like sweat, blood, tears, like what is, what's your favorite memory? What's the, the one thing that comes to mind? I would say all the sweat and tears that went into beating Toledo. I um, mean, it was 10 years. It was, I want to say we were, t- we were 20. So on like DraftKings and FanDuel, we we're 28 point underdogs. <laughs> and so like, if you would have bet, we would have lost by 27 then you would have won your bet, but we won 22 to seven, something like that. And just like running over there, like, you know, screaming and hollering at the Toledo players, like a bunch of gibberish and just grabbing that trophy. Like that thing was like 80 pounds, but you know, it felt like nothing to me. I'm like, I'm running with it. I'm like, we're going to the sideline, dumping the Gatorade on the coach. Like it was, it was like a dream come true. Like I would have taken that over winning the Mac or doing any of the other goals because it was so special in that moment of not like 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 scotty i love scotty played with him good friend and he just won the super bowl so he's got it on me but he never beat toledo and that's something that that's so dear to my heart because that's how much it means to that university so that was actually going to be the the second point that i brought up you uh you played on the same team and it's kind of a, a fun note to end the the bowling green talk on but you played on a team with a guy who just won a super bowl um scotty miller for the tampa bay bucks that's pretty cool what what was that like for you i mean did you get a chance to reach out i'm sure you watched the game i'm sure you watched the nfc championship game that he caught like a crazy pass before halftime mm-hmm. what uh what's that been like for you and and what's what's your relationship with like been with him yeah i love scotty he was always a good teammate we'd always do bible studies together uh, we'd always hang out at uh, his house um i was i was really happy for him nobody deserves it more than him and I'll shoot him a good luck text or whatever. If I'm when I'm down in Florida, like I was in Tampa and texted him like, man, I'm in your city. Like, what's up? Um, but actually another. So last year was Tampa Bay. The year before was the Chiefs. And I played next to Ryan Hunter, who was on the Chiefs. So oh, the past wow. two years, you know, just we're, we're breeding players at Bowling Green. We're, we're breeding Super Bowl winners. <laughs> <laughs> um. That no, that's awesome, man. And that's I mean, I think that's a testament to to what hard work does. And you know, mm-hmm. bowling green, like you said, Caleb, is it's not Alabama, it's not Ohio mm-hmm. State, but that doesn't mean there can't be great people that come from it. And yeah. and I, and certainly those two are are um 
a great example of that. And you're proving to be a great example of that as, as well. Um, so let's talk about kind of what's next for you, man. You, uh, you're joining us actually tonight, a couple of days before you leave for Orange County, Florida, uh, to get into law enforcement yourself, carry on the tradition that your dad had started. Um, what, like, what, what are, what are you most excited about, man? Kind of take us through what the next few days are going to be like for you. Yeah, the next, so, I mean, the past week has been crazy just getting everything ready to, I mean, the drive's 22 hours and I drive a Dodge Charger. So figuring, figuring out what I need to take, not necessarily, not necessarily what I want. Like I can't take my bed. I can't take this furniture I have and kind of just, it's kind of resetting. Like I kind of reset my life when I moved home. That was kind of like my tunnel vision for the year. Like, all right, what's the next step? Like, I'm always looking for the next step. So now that I have that next step, what am I going to do in the academy that separates me from this guy next to me? Like, how many awards am I going to win? How many, how many days until I'm head sheriff of the whole county? These are the goals that are like in my mind. And just, it's been crazy. I mean, I moved down on Saturday, got the call yesterday about the official offer. And last week, got the um, like the unofficial offer it was actually a really long process um i don't think i'd go into very many details but hit a bump bump some heads but you know if you it's a true testament of never giving up on yourself even when somebody else counts you out and i was counted out and i fought it and that's just another example of never giving up on yourself because you're you're you can you can do it all man so caleb then you know, as far as, you know, you talked early on about how setting goals and writing things down, manifesting them, you know, speaking them into existence, the law of attraction. What, uh, as you move into this new chapter of life, what's going to be on that piece of paper that's, that's got goals at the top of the page? Uh, the first one is buying a house by age, but this year, 2021, I want to own my own house. And, and then that's that's the number one goal. I've always wanted to own my house before my brother, and we're on we're on stage for that right now. So that's number one for sure. And number two would be just getting promoted and you know putting all my effort and like it's kind of like college football. I put everything into it, and it returned me with great benefits. So I'm doing that's what I'm doing now. I'm going to put everything into my career path, and it's going to reap benefits. And those are the two main goals. And then, yeah, just excited about the weather down there. You're, you know all about it in Cali, but I think we got you beat down south. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it's it's it, it's so cool to to hear you know, different people's lives, where life takes them, and and obviously it's it's hilarious that you know people you think you're the closest with end up you you stay close to them but you end up far away you know just as mm -hmm. i have with with nick and with jeremy uh and, and you as well mm -hmm. um as it pertains to the career man like what in in law enforcement like what would be something that would be a dream for you i mean is this job that you're taking and you can get as specific or unspecific as you want but like is this a dream job you know is your dream simply to to save a life one day or, you know, to be a helping hand in a community, like what, mm -hmm. as it pertains to, to the job and, and law enforcement and, and doing something that you know, well, and you know, well, from a young age, and mm -hmm. you've seen growing up with your dad, uh, what, what does that look like for you? Or what would that be? 
would say just helping the community in every way possible, whether it's giving a little girl a Band-Aid or shooting hoops with some three kids that look up to you and not creating a negative um, perception of law enforcement to these to the youth because I really think that's a big problem to, in today's day and age with the media is they portray every officer to be a bad cop. And I really don't believe that because, I mean, my dad was 31 years and he had a great career and they don't see people like that. They only see the people that are on the news. There's, there's bad apples in every bunch, right? And it's I think it's a shame that people think that all cops are bad because of what's happened in the past. But my goal is really to just help those and change that perception. It can be the first day on the job or it could be 15 years from now, but that's really an opportunity and a goal of mine that, that I'll hit one day. I love it, man. I, uh, I, I have no doubt that, and, and I think this is a challenge to you and, and something that, that, is going to grow you in ways, but I mean, the challenge is to, you know, be the absolute best human and person you absolutely can and, and spread that positivity in every possible way. And you're going to get this, you're going to get a lot of situations being in that profession that uh, you're going to see the worst that life has to offer. And you have the decision to make it better or to make it worse. And uh, you know, from that will be direct results, but man, I have, I have all the faith in the world in you. I really, really do. Um, so Nick, Jeremy, uh, we have reached a point for four questions, but I obviously want to give you guys chances to to ask any questions that may have come up over the course of this uh, towards Caleb. If Caleb has anything that he wants to shout out or say, he's more than welcome to do. But before we get to my four questions segment that I've laid out for Caleb, I want to give you guys the uh, the opportunity to do so. So, Jeremy, I'll start with you, and then you can pass the torch to Nick. Yeah, uh, you brought up. Um kind of like it's kind of like a joke kind of i've seen it too where like the the frat kids right they're 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 always hating on on us athletes or our us former athletes for you know whatever but what i've found is when you hit the workforce as a student athlete or a former student athlete life becomes so much easier for you compared to their lives because you are used to working 12 14 hours a day just to get everything done where like you'll you'll run into some of these frat kids or I, I don't wanna like piss any off, but like I've seen a lot of my former friends that were in fraternities or other things struggle, like literally right as they hit the workforce because they're not used to working. They they wanna work their eight hours and they just wanna be done at the end of the day because that's what school is usually. You you put in your time at school and then you just tune out the rest of the day. Well, no, that's not what work is like sometimes. You you have to put in those extra hours and like as student athletes, you get used to it. And like, that's just second nature. So, I mean, my, like my first week on the job, it was, I, I just remember this extremely vividly. It was like, I showed up for eight hours and like, I, I was fortunate where I didn't have to stay late on my first week or first two weeks. And I was like, at, after, after that eighth hour, I like, I was just sitting there. I was like, that I'm done. Like, this is, I don't, I don't have to work till midnight, 10, 10 PM midnight. I was like, this is, this is awesome. Like, so I think you'll find a lot of like value in your your past experiences where it will pay off because even though like you're you're sitting at practice or you're sitting at study table till 10 p.m it's like well that that just you know it calluses you for mm -hmm. um for what's what's to come and i i thought that was extremely cool when i when i first uh first experienced it mm -hmm. and as godman says like if you callous your mind like 
I always look back. I have a actually the left guard that I asked if it was a pass or a run when I had a concussion. He's in the law enforcement academy in Jacksonville. That's where he's from. And he's in there right now. And I was like, dude, is it as bad as fall camp? And he goes, man, nothing's as bad as fall camp. Like, you could throw me in war. Like, nothing's as bad as that. So that's exactly what you just said, Jeremy. Like, I can see why a lot of people struggle because they're used to three three forty five minute classes on Monday and now they have to work eight hour shift and sitting behind a computer LED screen. And like I love Joe Rogan too and like how he he says they watch their soul get sucked into the computer and just they have bad diet and they have bad habits and it's just the most difficult thing is a nine to five and it's like no like that's one of the easiest things. Oh absolutely yeah I found it I mean, Cole can probably attest to it. My senior year, there were, like, days where I wouldn't come out. Like, the only time I would come out of my room is, like, to go to practice or go to eat. Where, like, it would go from, like, Tuesday to Friday where, like, I'm just, I can't go anywhere else besides do homework. And, like, now that I'm, like, in the workforce, I'm, it's, it's so much, like, life is so much easier. Just because mm-hmm. I have, I was used to it. And, like, I, I developed that, those calluses. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I'm extremely grateful that I, I, I went through it, I guess. But, mm-hmm. you know. Looking back at it, like, yeah, it could have been easier. Like, we all know it could have been easier. Or it all could have been, you know, we could have had our fun more or whatever. But, you know, just, like, being able to experience those experiences really just helps out in our futures. Mm-hmm, exactly. And knowing that a lot of employers are, like, would they – That's what I've, uh, I have a cousin who played at UCF. And the department I'm actually going with, they love student-athletes. And they only love them because, I mean, you guys know you three were all student athletes. You know how to hustle. Like, you're up early, you're going to school all day, you're hustling at night, get minimum amount of sleep, and you're still finding a way to get things done. And that's why I think a lot of employers like student athletes to hire. Absolutely. Nick, you got anything for them? I do. Yes. I, uh, I want to be mindful of time and, uh, I appreciate what you've shared up into this point. Cause I think it's very valuable stuff. Um, some more quick hitters just to get us in the right mindset for Cole's four questions. What does taking souls mean to you? Having somebody look at me and be like, why are you doing this? What, what is motivating you to run 13 miles on the treadmill? for for fun what like why are you crazy why are you doing this to yourself like no that's what it's exactly what he says like it's callousing my mind like i don't i don't need your approval for me to live my life and be hard like uh, staying hard is the best thing to ever happen and taking souls i can take souls from the average guy i could take souls from a fit guy i could take i could take your soul as long as i'm staying hard and doing crazy stuff yeah, I, uh, Cole, I'm not sure if Cole and Jeremy know that reference at all, but that's Goggins punchline is, is taking souls. And what he does is when he inflicts that taking souls mentality, it's to a mundane or very difficult task. And what he's doing is using the mind callousing technique of like, no matter how many calls I make today, no matter how far I have to run, no matter how cold the shower is, like I'm taking that th- motherfucker's soul. And like, that's just, just savage level mentality, which I love. Um, have you read his book by chance? I have. You have. Okay, don't spoil it for me. I haven't read it yet. I would like to. Hopefully mm-hmm. we'll do an episode on the podcast about it, but just oh, how would man. you summarize it in maybe a couple questions or a couple statements? 
how did he come from what he came from? That just when you when you think like when you have a bad day, Nick, and you're like, man, like today was shit. Like after reading that book, you'll be like, man, that guy was living in seven dollar a month apartment. Seven dollars. Like you can you can get that on the street on a corner for ten minutes. Like seven dollars a month. And just knowing what he came from to how he is is like it's just mind boggling. And what he still goes through to this day, like I showed my mom a picture of his feet. If you ever look up David Godden's feet, you'll be like, this is the most disgusting thing ever. But I look at it, I'm like, damn, that's that's a lot of mileage. That's that's a lot of savagery. Like, like how many people would give up if they have a little blister on their foot? Ninety nine point nine percent of people. But this guy has. I mean, you just have to look at the picture and it's it's it'll take your soul right out of you. Well, I hope so. That's that was my goal when I read right uh, when I read it. Um, yeah, he is just gosh, I can't say enough about his. Uh, plus, it's self published too, which I think is even more yes. cool. His book is so he didn't even rely on anybody else. The last thing I'm going to touch on before we get uh, onto the good stuff here with Cole, um, I love how you addressed reinventing yourself, and I'm just going to share this as a parting thought. Um, it's important to do this and understand that you do have the ability to reinvent yourself to where you are now. And all that effort and time that went into maybe high school or college athletics can seem just absolutely terrible during the moments, but that is what the characteristics will come through and will help you reinvent yourself down the road. And, and definitely don't take that for granted because they're, it's helping us out more than it's hurting us, even though there was many mornings where we wanted to sleep in, I'm sure. Um, but Cole, please. Lead us to the four question segment, and I cannot wait for his answers. Yeah. So, Caleb, this is something we do with every guest that comes on. Uh, I try to make them completely random. Like, I'll think of them or look them up online or oh, hear them from other people or, or whatever. Like, I'll take them from different places. Um, so, if you're ready, I've got my four, man. It's a good chance to just let your mind breathe for a second and, and have a little fun. Let's get after it. Okay. So, if you had the ability to fast forward in time or go back in time without any consequences, without any butterfly effect, and correct or make one important decision in your life, what would you do? That's a hell of a question, Cole. That is. That's like two and one. I would rewind and I would rewind a few years just to take myself out of the game at Western Michigan because that's what spoiled my career. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Very direct. Very yeah, that direct. One's, that's what came to my mind, but, you know, can't do that, so you got to stay hard somehow. <laughs> what is the most uncomfortable you have ever been? Most uncomfortable. And it could be physical uncomfortability, it could be like just sheer awkwardness or sheer embarrassment. It could be something sad, happy, funny. Like what is the most uncomfortable you've ever been that you can think of off the top of your brain? This one's coming to me. I was, I was, we're on a cruise with my family when I was, I don't know, probably 10 or 11. We were playing on the beach all day on the sand. And I got so much sand in my balls that it just, <laughs> it was bad. It like it was like burning. I'm like, I was like, mom, I don't know what to do. Like this hurts so bad. And I, I don't know why I remember it. Cause that's something really weird to remember, but I do. And that was so uncomfortable. And I've never been that uncomfortable. <laughs> um, 
What is something, Caleb, that you have zero desire to do in life? Like you have no desire to ever do it. You want to stay as far away from it as po- you possibly can. What's that one thing? Uh, stay away from um, unmotivated people. Mm-hmm. So you have zero desire to be around unmotivated people. Isn't it kind of inevitable inevitable that you will be though? Oh, I'll for sure because a lot of people are unmotivated. But if I had the choice to put move all the unmotivated people to one island or to where you're at, Cole, in California, I would do that and you know, <laughs> life would be great. <laughs> Bring all the unmotivated people to California, I guess. I don't know. I, that's what Caleb's saying. <laughs> Um, maybe, maybe we could do some motivating on state street with them. Yeah. Stay hard. Caleb, last one I got for you. If you could make a sandwich that represents you, what kind of bread are you using? What kind of like meat or vegetables or or whatever you're putting on there? What would that include? And then what kind of like condiments or dressings or, Mm. or stuff are you putting on it? Build a sandwich that represents you. Build a sandwich. All right. I'm taking whole wheat bread. So I'm just whole wheat and I'm doing a triangle cut, not a, not a, not down the middle. There's going to be turkey. There's going to be a little bit of bacon on there. There's going to be some Swiss cheese, some pepper jack cheese. And then there's going to be some ham on top of the cheese. And then in between those two, there's going to be about five Chick-fil-A sauce packets. And and that's the money sandwich. (laughs) No vegetables, nothing. We're sticking to whole meat. And shit fillet sauce. And cheese. <laughs> and cheese. <laughs> I love I, I love that. That that weirdly kind of sounds like it's come from like personal experience. Have you made that sandwich before? <laughs> um no, but that's what I'm really craving right now. I'm fasting right now, so it's it's getting to that time of night where I could eat anything and everything. Fair enough. Well, hey man, uh that's all I got for you as far as quite like go. Uh but seriously, dude, like thank you so much for coming on. It's been it's been awesome to hear your story. You are definitely on the track of staying hard, man, and and callousing your mind to be be, be to have tunnel vision and and stay focused on the goals ahead and the future ahead because uh, there is a, a bright future ahead and there's a light at any at any end to the to a dark tunnel. Uh, and you're you're an awesome awesome testament of that. So uh, thank you, man, so much for coming on. It's been so good to have you. Thank you, guys. You guys are the bomb, man. State Street for life. <laughs> you're a state street resident for life uh jeremy why don't you plug our social media uh allow caleb to to do so if he wants to plug his and and say your thank yous and and pass it over to nick to get us out of here yeah i mean first off thanks for coming on dude like whenever we can connect with people through past experiences like former athletes you know just really into personal development like you are as well it's it's always really cool to have conversations like that because it allows us to learn more about each other, I guess, for a lack of a better word. And I thought this, this interview was wonderful. And like, I, I, I was like, you know, like, it's just hard, hard to summarize what like we go through as student athletes and then move into the workforce because it's, it's truly a one of a kind experience that no one will really outside of like the student athletes, no one will ever get to experience it. And I thought that was extremely just insightful that you were able to bring that to the forefront as well as like, kind of like let us talk about it as well. So Mm -hmm. I I thank you for that because, 
you know, I think it'll it'll really touch with a lot of people and and make it more more aware and more aware of what people go through on a, on a daily basis. It's not always just flowers, I guess to say. But guys, if you enjoyed the episode, find us on Instagram at State Street Pod, Twitter is at State Street Pod, and Facebook is State Street Podcast. And Caleb, if you have any social media you'd like to shout out, go ahead. Stay hard, man. Stay off that stuff. <laughs> oh, I, I love that. I love that. I thought the exact opposite. I thought you were about to tag uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all that good jazz. No, it's been a true privilege. Pr- pl- I can't talk. Sorry, listeners. Privilege to get you on to talk shop. Love talking Goggins as well, too. But guys, if you guys didn't take anything from this episode, then you need to go either listen to this again, go to Goggins, stay hard, do what you need to do. But thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, guys.